here, you can just feel the love of God really just, uh, uh, just pouring out. And, you know, I know that, uh, you know, Wilmington has taken a hit over the last couple of years with different uh, storms that's come through, different things that's taken place, but I know there's something moving and chains falling in the community with what needs to take place here to be able to, you know, I, I was talking, I, I preached a, about a month ago in another church, and uh, one of the things that I uh, was talking about is, would you be okay with the church being so full that you had to give up your seat? Would you be okay with standing for the service because the unchurched are coming in to be a part of this? And that's what we have to be about because that's where we're at today. Uh, and I, I think, uh, you know, when I think about come as you are to the church, a lot of times we forget that. And it's uh, not even part of my sermon today, but as I was listening to uh, the, the words of the songs and the praise and worships, which some of those were my favorite songs, and you know, I always have like Christian hype music that I have as I play coming in, and that's one of my songs, like the victory song going through, and the other one is confidence, to be able to, you know, because I, I think about standing in front of people speaking, and, and I'm okay with standing in front of thousands of people uh, at work. But a lot of times, even one or two people, when I think about pouring out the word, uh, you're held accountable. You're accountable for what you say and for what you do. And uh, that's what's nerve-wracking to me is to make sure that what comes out of my mouth is pleasing to him. And that's ultimately, but, you know, as always, I'm sure Pastor Doug is watching. I just want to thank him for giving me the opportunity to be in front of you today. It's uh, always a unique thing to be able to allow someone to be behind your pulpit. And even though it's God's pulpit, it's still Pastor Doug's a shepherd uh, and a great man. And uh, I got to know uh, Pastor Doug two years ago when we went to Israel, because uh, I've known of him, uh, but getting to know him a little bit more, spending time with him in Israel and behind the scenes, letting your hair down, what hair he has down. Uh, <laughs> And then I uh, got to know John as well, and just to throw it out there, the shoes were from the Jordan River. I wasn't just throwing shoes away, uh, but they were, they're dirty, but they were like, listen, I threw all my clothes away out of the Jordan River, uh, but you know, anyways, I'm glad you still have the shoes. They were nice shoes, but I was like, I just, I can't take them back with me. That's just, uh, uh, though. but he also got to swim in the Dead Sea with them as well. That's even better to be able to take that there, but today, uh, the title of my sermon is, Are You Plugged Into the Power Source? And, you know, over the last couple of weeks, I've really been praying, you know, what, what, what's the word that wanted uh, to be able to give, you know, in a, a church um, that I don't know much about you guys, you know, uh, and, you know, where the sermons are and what's going on. But God laid on my heart the power source and to understand, you know, what's taking place, no matter where we're at, we have to be plugged in. And a lot of times we forget what the true power source is. And so, you know, today, you know, as I talk about this, Thomas Edison created something a long, long time ago called a light bulb, right? So last, yesterday I went to um, Walmart because I forgot all of my props that I was going to preach with. Uh, I got about two hours into the drive and I was like, you know, I probably need to stop and get this because it's going to make more sense uh, when we actually go through this. Um, and uh, I'm just going to set that right here. So as I think about this light bulb that Thomas Edison made many, many years ago, the creation, this light bulb has done a lot of things for us as a, as a uh, society, as a nation, as a world. But this light bulb is useless in its state of form like this. See, in order for our light bulb to be able to work, it's got to be a three-part process, right? So if, if you have a light bulb, it's great. If you have a lamp, it's even better. But this lamp is pointless without the light bulb. 
So, but then when you think about, now I'm going to screw it in, it's still pointless without a power source. So it takes a three-part process to be able to go through this. So we go from nothing, and then we have nothing there. Uh, there we go. And there it is. So, you know, when I think about this, you know, it's always, I even checked that last night. I was like, I know this thing works. But in order for this light bulb to work, we've got to have a power source. We've got to have a fixture. And then you've got to have the light bulb. So I think about what we are. You know, we, we're a, a lot of things going on. You know, we, we're the body. Then the Holy Spirit pours into us but then we pour out, but we've got to be plugged in in order for this to work. So as I, I think about this, a lot of times our power is blocked and it's not light. Just think about if you go into the darkest room right now and you have this and be like, well, I've got the light bulb, but I have the fixture, but it's not plugged in. This now goes from a multi-trillion dollar process of what Thomas Edison's family, I'm sure, is inheriting right now uh, to nothing. But as soon as you step into that dark room, doesn't matter how dark that room is, you can have the smallest light, all of a sudden, you're lighting it up. And you are now creating a light that shines. And so, ultimately, light illuminates the darkness. And in Matthew 5 and 14 through 16, I want to read to you today of, of what this says. It says, You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So, dear Lord, I just want to thank you, God, for the reading of your word. Lord, just thank you for what you've done thus far in this house, God. Lord, I pray that you just continue to pour out your Holy Spirit uh, of what you've already stirred up in this place, God. Lord, as the people are sitting here listening uh, under the sound of my voice, God, Lord, I pray that this it, it tenderizes their heart, God, Lord. Lord, and softens us up, Lord. Lord, they'll open their minds and their hearts to be able to hear this and receive this because you said the, your word will never go out void. Lord, I pray, Lord, that it touches someone's heart today, whether it's just one person, Lord, that they are able to receive this. Lord, I pray that the, the minds are open, Lord, and I just pray blessings over the people. So Jesus says that we're the light of the world, that we're the light of the world, and we've got to let our light shine. You see, the light can't be hidden. You know, you think about that old song, and I, th I think about it, it was pretty cold in here when I walked in here, but man, it's a little warm now. Um, but... Uh, uh, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I'm not going to hide it under a bush. Oh, no. I'm going to let it shine. You know, I think about that, and even as adults, I think we forget those small words because when we go out, a lot of times, you know, we, we kind of have our Christian badge on, but we, we try to hide it because we don't want people to judge us. We don't want people to look at us differently. We don't want people to think that, oh, that's them. You know, I was listening to this thing the other day where it said, um, Religion is you sitting in church thinking about going kayaking. Spiritual giving is you sitting at kayaking thinking about God, thinking about church, thinking about this. A lot of times we come to church just to sit down so we can check a box. So we can say, yep, I went to church today. 
Um, so if anyone asks, I can say, yeah, I went to church. But then the other set, six days of the week, we kind of lose that light because we're hiding that light under that, that bush or, or we're hiding it somewhere. But the way we live our lives should help us be able to lead people to Christ. Because majority of the time, when, as we go out into the world, today we are the only Christian or only Christ people are going to see. You know, you think about uh, how many churches are in Wilmington and how many people are in Wilmington, and you do the math. Do the church match the population? So if that's great, then we've reached the whole community. Then our, our job's done, right? But because I, I think about when we look at the community of, of how many people are out there and how many unchurched people are there. So my, my dad had a... Um, he just started pastoring a church uh, a few weeks ago, just take, taking on a church, and um, he was preaching a funeral on Thursday for someone in the community. And uh, they, um, did, he did the, the funeral, he got them food and did all of that, and 80% of that community that came to the funeral said, I didn't even know you guys existed. And he was like, oh, okay, so where do you live? And they were like, four doors down. So you think about what that is of how the church is supposed to go out and bring in the sick, right? This isn't a country club for Christians. This is a hospital for the lost. This is a hospital for the lost to come in to be able to get saved. And if we have forgotten that of what that, that process is, then we are not doing what God has commanded us to do. Go out and make disciples. Think about the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples and go out and tell the word about him. That was the whole concept to go out. So it's great to have a nice facility. It's great to have the AC. Uh, it's great to have this coming on, nice uh, padded chairs. But really, it's not what it's about. It's about letting our light shine. It's about letting that come out there. But sin darkens the world so much that we can push back the darkness if we have our lights shining, if we're plugged into the power source. But the one thing I just want to share with you today is that the Holy Spirit is our power source. The Holy Spirit is what's going to power us to be able to go out into the world because it's a dark world. It's a scary world. It's crazy. I mean, you think about everything that's going on in the world, whether it's in the schools, whether it's at a mall. Um, I think there was a shooting at an FBI uh, facility. You, you think about all of that there, but we can't live in fear. We've got to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out and stand in confidence in what we're doing, to be able to talk about uh, all that's out there. You see, in Romans 8 and 9, it says, You, however, are controlled not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. If the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So again, it's all about you having the Holy Spirit inside of you. Everyone has the opportunity to do it, but are you plugged into it? The Holy Spirit has always been there. As Christ came back, the Holy Spirit fell on the upper room. Now we've got that power. We've got that in us now. But we've got to be plugged in to this power source. You see, I, I was thinking about a, an illustration. What if on the way to church today, uh, uh, you know, you saw myself and Jackson deciding to push our truck here. And uh, you, you pull up beside me and, and says, hey, are you, are you out of gas? That's probably the most common thing. It's like, no, no, full tank, we're good. It's like, well, uh, 
why are you pushing your truck? What if I said, listen, I enjoy pushing my truck wherever I go versus getting in it and driving in this comfortable truck with the AC on, with the music playing. No, no, I want to be out here in the 82-degree weather in my suit jacket pushing the truck. You would probably think I'm a bit crazy, right? Jackson would think I was a bit crazy. But many times in life, we as Christians are pushing our way through life without letting the Holy Spirit come in us, without letting the Holy Spirit push us and drive us where we need to be. Because when we are trying to do it ourselves, it's like you're outside of the truck pushing it. When you have the keys, you've got gas, the truck just had a tune up. All you have to do is get in and start it and drive. The Holy Spirit has the door open waiting for you to get in. But if you're not willing to get in, you're going to push your way through life and it's going to be a struggle. You're going to struggle through life. You might get to a certain point, but you can't do it by yourself. You're going to get worn out. You're going to get tired. You're, you're, the adrenaline's going to over, uh, just diminish. But the Holy Spirit is the driver. He's driving you in that direction where you need to go. So as I think about with what we're doing, the Holy Spirit directs us in our lives with Christ. In order for our light to shine, we have to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times we miss out on how do we, once we get the Holy Spirit in us and then we're activating it, we're there, but then all of a sudden somehow the light dims. The light starts going out. And you think about uh, when you start losing power in your house, a lot of sometimes it kind of just slowly dims down uh, or what that may look like. You know, I think about that's how the Holy Spirit, you know, we just eventually start losing a bit, a bit of uh, power. Um, you know, it's not just like plugged in and it rips it out. It just slowly goes out. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about how you come unplugged from the Holy Spirit, what to watch out for. How, do you, how can you lose what you've already had? And really, when I say lose, it means that you've let it go. The Holy Spirit will never let you down. But it's you, as the flesh, will eventually think the Holy Spirit is just gone. So I think about uh, the story of, of uh, um, Samson and what it does, and, and, and Judges 13 and 16. You know, Samson was a great man. I, one of my favorite uh, characters in the Bible, I guess the character, I don't know if it's the right thing, but judge in the Bible, um, he was the original Superman. That's the way I look at it. You know, I, I'm, I'm all in the superheroes, but Samson was the original Superman. But God gave him superhuman strength to lead the nation of Israel to defeat. Um, they were in captivity for 40 years, and then he came out, and God told them, listen, this is going to be a Nazarite set apart from everyone else. And there's only a handful of uh, people in the Bible that were talked about being a Nazarite um, in there. Samson was one of them. And in order for him to, to have the strength, it, it actually talks about three things that he shouldn't do. One, cut his hair. Two, uh, eat anything unclean. Or three, have anything fermented like wine uh, that he shouldn't drink. And those were kind of some stipulations. You know, I think about God's always putting things out there that, you know, not a lot of rules, if you would, but, you know, he told Adam and Eve, listen, you can do anything you want to do here, just don't eat from that tree. And obviously, as a human flesh, even then, what did she do? She ate from the tree. And then, so I even look at Samson as he's kind of, he's given three things that he can't do, all right? So as we talk about this, you know, Samson 
led the nation of Israel. He judged them uh, for a period of time. But the story isn't a happy ending. You know, ex especially with everything that Samson did, Delilah found out his strength and cut Samson's hair while he was napping on her lap, right? He lost his strength there. Well, when the Philistines came in, uh, you know, for this, uh, for the fourth time, and again, I think about our flesh for the fourth time, I, I, even though uh, Samson judged the nation of Israel and, and kind of led there, I don't think he had a lot of common sense. So, you know, a lot of brute, maybe not a lot of brain kind of in there, but, uh, or he was just mesmerized by the flesh. He was mesmerized by women uh, and, and what he wasn't supposed to do. So, you know, the Bible says that he didn't know that the Spirit of the Lord had left him, which is in uh, Judges uh, 16 and 20. When he woke up, he didn't know the Spirit had left him. But I think about if he was connected all along with there, and we're going to get a little bit more details, he would have known instantly that the Spirit had left him, right? But it was over a period of time that it was compromised. There was a period of time that he just started letting a little bit of things, saying, well, it's not that bad to do this. So he kind of stepped a little bit further away from the, the power source. You know, the power source is cut on, but the further away he got away from it, it gets a little bit darker. And as he steps away, keeps moving away from it, he starts stepping away from there. You see, Samson didn't know the Holy Spirit left him. Samson would have to fight the battle on his own. And as much as strong as he was, you would think that he would be able to take down what it was. But with the flesh, the men overtook him. And he was taken in captivity, and, you know, the story was there that, unfortunately, he lost the battle and was because he was unplugged to the Holy Spirit. He was unplugged there. So as we look at ourselves as we're disconnected, I want to look at four ways as, as Samson's life, as he kind of moves through this process of how he lost the Holy Spirit and, and how he got disconnected. And I, I guess the right word is not really losing the Holy Spirit, but he got disconnected from the Holy Spirit. So the first one is spiritual power is lost when we forget the source. When we forget what happened. See, Samson forgot that God was the source of his strength. He forgot that God was the one that actually gave him the strength. You know, see, Delilah pestered him and pestered him. Hey, what is the, what's the, the source? You know, he said, well, if you get some uh, rope that's never been used and tie me up and it will go through there. So he toyed with her four, three times until he finally enough was enough where he, he told her what it was. But as, as Samson went through this, Samson got confused by the source. You see, his hair was a symbol. It wasn't the source. The hair was the symbol of what it was, and he got confused what the true source was. You see, Samson should have said, Delilah, I'm set apart from the Lord as a Nazarite. You see, I serve a God of Israel, and whatever he desires, the Spirit of God gives me my strength. She wouldn't have been able to Say, okay, well, how do I take that away from him? But because he told her the symbol, and because he had been disconnected so far away over a period of time, he lost that, 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 that sight of, of the, the sight of what was going on. You see, we look at appearances a lot of times, and we, we want to gain understanding based upon what we see and observe. You see, it's, it's, that was the symbol of kind of what it was there, but God considers the heart. God's looking for someone that's pure, someone that's going to come in and just hungry for, uh, uh, for him. And, you know, a lot of times we think that, you know what, I'm, I'm, I've done too many bad things in my life. I, it's too late for me. You see, it's a life straight from the devil. 
God's looking for someone that's hungry. God's looking for someone that is willing to go the extra mile. He's looking for someone that is saying, you know what, use me. I'm a vessel, but you know what? I'm a sinner, and I've learned a lot of mistakes. I've done a lot of things, but I think about the guy hanging on the cross, the thief on the cross. That's what is you know, comforting to me, that even as someone that has lived their entire life, he's getting ready to take his last breath, and he says, remember me in paradise, right? This sinner that's being crucified with Jesus right then and there accepted him, and he said, I'll remember you this day. You see, we, we, we are the, that sinner. The flesh, you tell me someone that's perfect, I'll tell you that you know, you're, you're lying, and you probably need to look in the mirror, but that's us. Every day we have to crucify the flesh because of what's going on in the world. But you know, how many years, I think about Samson when he talks about uh, in the last end when he judged over the last 20 years, and this is kind of where I kind of pulled this from is it says nothing during the 20 years of his reign, the last 20 years, that he did anything from the Holy Spirit. He managed and judged by his own power. But that last 20 years, there's nothing in there that's recorded that was the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Holy Spirit led him to do this. He just led for 20 years. And I truly believe as he met Delilah, that's when he started getting disconnected. Because he was told where he should have been going and as he was going through this. But, you know, we lose the power when we forget what the source is. You know, as he was going through, you know, the, the whole process, no matter how strong your hair is, doesn't matter what type of shampoo you use, you're not going to have superhuman strength, right? You've got to make sure that you understand that it's the Holy Spirit that's given him the strength and what you're going to do. So, we just can't forget that. But number two is spiritual power is lost through unhealthy relationships. You see, I heard a long time ago someone tell me that, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. All right? A lot of times we have to look around us. We have to see who we're hanging out with, who we're going out uh, and, and influencing us, who is our top people that are influences. Even I think about our youth today how they're being influenced, whether it's on social media and, you know, what that looks like. You know, again, our relationships that are around us, we have to make sure that we're plugged in to the right ones. And I think about, uh, you know, our life groups or um, I saw, uh, what are they called here? Are they life groups? I groups. I groups. Thank you. I saw the name up there. I was like, man, I need to make sure I remember that. But I, I think about like the I groups uh, that is going on outside of this congregation that we meet on Sunday, it's a group of people that are in a more intimate setting to be able to talk more about him. This here can't be the buffet to get you through the whole week. You know, I think about going to a Chinese buffet, normally by about an hour and a half later, you're hungry again. You know, I, going through that process, I don't know what it is, but I, I just want to go back and eat again about two hours later or so. But if you're thinking that this can sustain you for the next six days to get you through Sunday, normally by Wednesday, you're already praying, say, Lord, forgive me. I've done some stuff I shouldn't do, or I, I, someone cut me off, and I told them where they could go, or I, I've done this. It's real life. We're humans. We, we're, we, we all have those tendency, and I'll just tell you, it's, it's, it's real. But you see, unhealthy relationships led Samson down a bad road. 
You see, Samson found a wife amongst the Philistines. The Philistines put their nation in captivity for all of those years. But he went and actually found a wife there. Samson actually went and found a Philistine prostitute, spent the night with her. You see, Samson did a lot of things wrong. But one of the things that I look at is Samson still had the heart for God. Even as he put himself in bad situations, he went um, and, you know, he gambled out telling riddles, saying, hey, you know, uh, if you can figure out this riddle, uh, you owe me 30, cl- 30 pieces of uh, linens. If, if, if you can figure it out, then I owe you. Uh, and then he went and killed 30 men to get them. So again, he put himself in bad situations. So Samson even chose to keep secrets from his parents and led them astray. With, uh, he fed them honey from the carcass of the lion, which was unclean. That was part of their religion that they weren't supposed to eat anything unclean. But again, Samson, this superhuman strength guy, dug out honey because, and if you read that, when it says Samson, after he killed the lion, he went down and he looked and went astray. And this is a Tim's version. But he had to go off of the beating path. It wasn't like the lion was on the path here. It would be like the lion being over here, and he had to go out of his way to get to that lion. How many times do we go out of our way to get to sin? It's not like sin hits us in the face and says, oh, I didn't even know where that came from. That was like an aeropodope. It got me. We get hit. We go, and we choose to do that even though, but we have a loving God that all we have to do is say, Lord, forgive me. I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I made a mistake. And we learn from that, to be able to move forward from that. But spiritual power is lost when we don't obey God completely. You see, Samson didn't uh, do everything God required of him, but he was disobedient, which brought the loss of the Holy Spirit because he was, the Holy Spirit was grieved. He was grieved because he's inside wanting you to do good. He's wanting you to succeed. He's wanting you to fulfill the calling. But then you think about like the best resume, I think, out there. One of the best resumes, Satan has a great resume with what he's trying to get you to buy into. You know, if any of you do any type of hiring and you're looking at someone's resume, looking at there, it's easy to, to, for Satan to say, hey, look at my resume. Look how pretty good I am. Don't you want to come and do this? I can give you this. You think about when Jesus went and was on the temptation, the, what he was telling uh, him to do. Hey, bow down and I'll give you all of this. Even though you've already owned that. He already owned that. See, Jesus has already won this battle. But a lot of times Satan's trying to remind us, like, listen, you're not worthy um, and you're going to lose. But he's already won this battle. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory because victory's already been had. And we've got to remember that, and we lose sight of that a lot of times. So, you know, I think about how does it happen, and I think about a pothole. And I always like to use analogies or or examples to be able to kind of work into how this works. And potholes are holes in the roadways that uh, vary in sizes and shapes. So you can see them different. Uh, I think I saw a massive pothole on a picture of uh, one of the storms caused. It, It looked like almost like a sinkhole. But that's something different. Uh, but they're caused by the expansion and contraction of groundwater after the water has entered into the ground under the pavement. When the water freezes, it expands. 
Think of when ice cubes are made, a tray full of water is put into the freezer, and when you remove the tray from the freezer, you will notice that the water has expanded. Think about sin entering into your life and freezing, and it starts with a, a crack here, and then all of a sudden it gets bigger and start expands even more, gets compromised. The same effects happens when water gets into the ground under the pavement. If it has a chance to freeze, it will take up more space under the pavement, and the pavement will expand, bend, and crack, which weakens the material pavement. Then when the ice melts, the pavement contracts and leaves gaps and voids uh, in the surface under the pavement where water can get into and be trapped. If the water freezes once again and thaws out over a period of time, it weakens and continues to crack and cause larger holes. As the weight of a car and truck passes over the weak spot in the road, pieces of the roadway material weaken, which cause the material to displace or break down and cause massive holes. So I want you to think about your life. As you have a nice facade on, you have nice armor, all of a sudden you get a crack in there, and a little bit of sin makes its way in there. And all of a sudden it starts festering and starts going bigger and bigger, and then all of a sudden we get it out. Well, if we don't address that crack, and we just kind of just put a little uh, cover over it, all of a sudden something else comes in, and it goes right into that crack a little bit bigger, and it gets more compromised. And the weight of the world continues to get on, on us and continues to fight over us. And then all of a sudden, the light that we had that was so bright once now is being hidden by the sin that we've allowed in because of that one little crack. That one little pothole that started as a crack in the parking lot, and now we, I've, I've been into shopping centers where they have to put shopping carts in there so people don't uh, run into it until they can get it fixed because it's a lot of, uh, of area that they have to fill. Well, it's the same way with sin. That's what happens to us a lot of times if we allow it to. So, you know, I think about, like, why did God choose to use someone else? Why didn't he choose to say, you know what, Samson? Nice try. We're just going to move you out. We're going to bring someone else in. So I, I, I think about this. It's kind of a two-part uh, answer here. Is First, I want you to hang on to this, is that God's message is more important than the messenger. You see, the message that God was trying to bring could be delivered by Samson, but it also knew that there was going to be compromise. He knew that Samson was going to have choices that he had to make, but he was such a strong man that he said, you know what, we're going to continue because he's going to deliver what we're needing to. He's going to get the message out. God's purpose is greater than the instrument uh, that we need to be used to accomplish it. God wants us to bring his people back to him and deliver them from the oppression of the Philistines. That was the whole thing is he wanted uh, Samson to be able to bring the, the nation of Israel back from the Philistines. But unfortunately, Samson kept going to the Philistines and being a part of them. But the second part, uh, that the Lord never gave up on Samson. He never gave up on him. And, you know, I think that's where, with us as Christians today, if he would have gave up on Samson, I don't know if we would have had a lot of hope today. Said, you know, maybe we haven't went and slept with a prostitute. Maybe we haven't went and killed 30 men. Maybe we haven't compromised our family and, and what, you know, whether it's our hair or whether it's uh, killing a lion and eating from his carcass. But I think about the sin is out there. You know, we, we have a lustful thought or we, uh, you know, punch someone in the face or something, something along the lines that we shouldn't do that doesn't show our Christian light. 
You know, I think one of the biggest things, and uh, Jason and I were talking last night, uh, his son plays baseball, my son plays baseball, and I'll tell you, the parents are the craziest people out there. I coach, and, you know, out of everything there, the parents are the ones that get me. Like, I, I tell them at the beginning of the season, listen, I'm the coach, you're representing me, don't embarrass me. I would hate to kick you off the field and let your kids continue to play. But it's easy for anyone to, to get in there, especially when you're messing with your family. But we've got to make sure that we're connected. You see, the, the other part is spiritual power is lost through foolishness or a loss of wisdom. You see, Samson acted foolish. He let himself be in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, during this time frame, he lacked the discernment to even see the trap that was being taken. You would think that he would have probably asked Delilah, why do you keep asking me this? And why do these people keep showing up to the house to come and get me? He lacked the common sense. You see, we lack that because really, when I think about it, and I know Jackson's probably going to smack me on my hand, but sin makes us stupid. Sin makes us do things that we thought we would never do. Sin makes us go out and lie. Sin makes us tell a lie to cover up another lie. But we're in there, and maybe at first it was a good intention, and all of a sudden it's something that was there, and then we started going in here, but that's what it was. Like He was so in love with Delilah that he didn't want to see anything else. I'm just assuming. I don't know why else he would continue to let her tie his hair to the post, tie him down. I mean, going through this, there's so many things in there that you scratch your head that you're trying to understand. But at the end of the day, sin makes us do things that we probably would never do in our right mind. But wisdom says that, you know, we should run the other way. We should run the other way. But I think about what is wisdom? Wisdom is the knowledge put into action at the right time and in the right way. Wisdom is understanding what is best and doing it all rolled into one. So we understand what's the right thing to do. We understand when to run. That's wisdom. But when I think about being a fool, fool takes action without having enough information. We just act on just a little bit of information and we kind of shoot from the hip and go. But also the fool acts impulsively, not waiting for the right time. There's always a right time to do things. And, you know, I, you look about all of these war movies and things like that where people just rush in and, and uh, they're acting on just, they think it's instinct, but it's actually emotion versus acting on wisdom. And most of the time in the movies where they either get shot or put themselves in a vulnerable position that they shouldn't be. But also, the fool knows the truth but acts upon a lie because we're afraid to know the truth. We're afraid to believe the truth. We want to think about what else is out there. But spiritual power is also lost through foolishness and a loss of wisdom. You know, one of the things I'll just say is, you know, we've got to ask God to really help us to stay connected to him so we don't lose the wisdom. We don't act in a foolish state. So as we think about these four things that we talked about of, uh, you know, losing the power source, you know, unhealthy relationships, compromise, sin, and uh, foolishness, you know, how do you keep that? So we talked about how do you lose it, but really how do you keep it? And that's, that's really where I want to spend a little bit of time here, you know, because when you look at the four ways of spiritual power that can be lost, you know, and what happened to Samson, it could be any one of us. You could actually take a lot of situations that he's went to and said, okay, well, here's what he went through, but I'm going through this. Maybe it's not as, as deep and dramatic as what he is, but your small thing could be big to you. 
You know, when people are looking outside of it and says, well, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm behind on a house payment, and then someone else says, well, at least you have a house to live in. Or, you know, you think about what's, everyone's situation is different to you and to someone else and what that may look like. So spiritual power is lost when we forget the power source, but how do you keep that? Well, you've got to maintain it by staying close to God, by being around people, staying in church. You know, it's, uh, some people say, well, it's easy for me to just go and I can watch the sermon uh, because I want a, a menu board of what I want. So I like to listen to, you know, ev- uh, Elevation Worship, and then I'm going to go to this channel and listen to this person preaching. Then I'm going to go back to the closing of this sermon. And it's kind of like a menu board of what they want, but there's really no relationship that you're building in that. There's nothing that you're able to connect with. It, it doesn't, and again, uh, 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 social media presence is what we need in today because of things that happen, whether you're sick or, uh, but if that is the only church you know is online, you're missing a piece of the puzzle because it says when two or three are gathered, we're, we're gathered. We're gathered together. And it's hard because, you know, you have people that, well, I don't want to go out. And I know the last two years have been crazy, which has made, whether it's driving church, uh, you know, whatever that may look like. But as we get back together, it's something different to come in and actually shake someone's hand and say, how are you doing today? How is your week? And what's even better is when you're talking to someone and they're real with you. A lot of times they're like, hey, I'm doing great. And right before you walked in, you had to spank your kid. Uh, you got a flat tire. Uh, everyone was running late. You're screaming at the, the wife before they came in. Normally Sundays, uh, when I was growing up, Sundays were the living hell of the week. I, I'll just be real. But as soon as you walk in, my parents were like, I can't believe it. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I mean, it was like so much. I'm like... And thinking back, I'm like, you know, your power source was unplugged out there uh, when you were spanking me with your belt, you know, (laughs) just saying. But when you come in, it's a different feeling to be able to have that. And sometimes we uh, we we put on a, a, a mask and, you know, because you feel like, hey, no one wants to hear what I have to say. But I'll tell you, that's the church body. And if you don't want to hear what people are saying, just don't ask them. Just say, hey, and just walk away. (laughs) But if you ask them, how are you doing today? That's the relationship. As we're building relationships, because you're going to get people, if you're trying to bring the lost into the church and you're trying to build relationships up, you've got to listen and you've got to be genuine. You've got to have that heart to be for the lost because someone could say, you know what? I haven't eaten in three days. I'm really hungry. And if you don't have the heart for them, all of a sudden we just lost our witness. Because as Christians, we should say, you know what? Let's get you something to eat. Oh, you're cold? Well, let me get you a jacket or a blanket. That's what it's about. But a lot of times we lose sight of that. And, and you know, I, and I'm sure there's people in, in the church. I remember growing up where uh, every um, Sunday night there was a prayer request and praise report. And there was one lady that always prayed for the most random things. My husband has an ingrown toenail. I got to get, get a colonoscopy this week. I don't even know what, it was, what that was about. But she would just pray over the most random things and never understood that. But when I look back now, she was real. She truly had needs and was bringing it before the body. 
But a lot of times, like as a kid, I'm thinking, like, this chick is crazy. Like, you don't say that out loud. But that's what we are. We need to be real. And that's the, the whole concept of Christians is, is we don't want to be real a lot of times. We just want to skate over something and miss out there. But, you know, as you continue to go through here, uh, maintaining spiritual power by developing Christian friendships, maintaining uh, maintain spiritual power by obeying God's word, and then also by learning to discern. You know, sometimes when you come in contact with, uh, you know, whether it's uh, someone that's acting weird, someone that's kind of feels like they're off or uh, whatever, you know, that's where you need to start praying in the Holy Spirit to, to give you discernment. You know, is this, and, you know, is this something that is a disease? Or are, are they being oppressed by a dark power that we need to pray them through? Because it's still out there. And we miss that because we don't want to believe that th- that's still happening out there. But it truly is. But as we want to do this, you know, I think about how do we take actions to continue to, to, to bring this through. And in Philippians 2 and 12, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible doesn't say just to go sit around and think about what you have heard. It says go out and work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Take action. In James 1 and 2, it says, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. We have to do what it says. You know, and as, you know, kind of going into there, you know, keeping a good power source. And I think about the, the action steps that we have to take in order to do this. What are some of the things that we can do as Christians to move forward and stay connected, keep the power source on, and keep that light shining? You know, when I think about the, the power sources, starts and end with personal prayer every day. Do you have a personal prayer time that you're using and praying every day at home? You know, find your blessings of the day. You know, I think about, you know, a lot of times when you go throughout the day, and, you know, I've been talking to Jackson about this. We're actually talking at breakfast this morning. He was like, so everything you say, does it come true? I said, well, you speak life and you speak death. If I say I'm going to have a bad day today, I can guarantee you you're going to have a bad day. You're going to say, you know what? I spilled my coffee uh, as I was going through. I told you I was going to have a bad day. But if I say, you know what? I'm going to have a good day today. And someone asks you about that coffee, like, you know what? Man, you see that thing on the floor? I tripped over, spilled my coffee. And, but the good news is there was more coffee that I could get. If you think you can't, you won't. If you think you can, you'll find a way to do. It's all about the words, how you speak it, how you go forward. But so how do you develop healthy friendships. How does that look? What does that look like as you're trying to develop the friendship? You know, when I think about this, find a Christian friend at work or in your neighborhood. So a lot of times when you work with people, you know, I, I'm, uh, I work in retail and, um, you know, obviously it, uh, Christianity and, and Jesus isn't allowed unless a door opens. So you wait for the opportunity. You let your light shine. You know, when, when people are telling dirty jokes, do you Stand there and say, oh, that's great. You know, hey, ooh, I'm going to have to write that one down. Or you say, uh, and maybe walk away from it and say, I, I, I don't know if I want to hear that. Or, you know, or what that may look like. If someone's, I don't know, joking on the, the, the neighbor next to them in the cubicle, you know, how, do you entertain that? Or do you kind of say, hey, that, that's not nice. How does your light shine? How do you flow through there? And I can guarantee you, you can find someone that needs to hear about God because 
I've never witnessed to someone at my work, like saying, just walking up and having the Bible hit them on the forehead. But when someone needs prayer, every time they call me. Because they know my morals, they know my lifestyles, they know what I stand for, and they know that there's something different. Not about me, but it's just what I believe in. And, you know, we've, we've all been in bad situations. We've, we've had to choose good and bad, um, you know, as we're going through here. But that's what it's about. When you're going out in your workflow, uh, do people know if, if it was like a say, you know what, and, and, you know, in a show of hands, you know, if we said so-and-so, Jimmy John, uh, is he a Christian? Would everyone check yes or no? Or does he go to church? And it's, it's really the, the love it should come off of you. You're set apart from everyone else. But one of the big things when I think about this is you got to find a Jonathan and David friendship. You think about the friendship that they had. You need a friend that is born for adversity, who will stay closer than a brother, that will pray for one another, that will hold each other accountable, that will go through this and defend you at the bitter end. You see, when I think about this, when I think about a friend, I should be able to call them and tell them about what's going on, and uh, they're it's not going to agree with me. You know, you want someone that's going to say, you know, I actually think you were wrong. You know, I, I don't 100% agree with you, and you can talk about it. My dad is that guy. Like, I'll call him and tell him, and I'm like, Dad, I just want to tell you, what's this? He was in retail. He's a preacher, and uh, I can tell him, and he's the same one. He was like, son... You know, I love you, right? You're an idiot. You're the one that caused that, right? And I'm like, no, but let me just tell you, like, my boss said this, this, and this, or, you know, I, I, this happened at church, and he was like, you're overlooking it. You're, you're overlooking the point here. I know that on accountability piece, he's always going to hold me accountable, but there's not a day that goes by. He doesn't, he's, right before I stepped up here, he texts me praying for you. I know he's always there. That's the friendship that you need the friendships that are going to stick closer than a brother. And it might not be your dad. It might be a complete stranger. My wife has a friend that they've been friends since they were uh, six years old. And they're now uh, uh, up there. And uh, I'm not going to throw their age out. She'll kick me in my face. Uh, but uh, they can call each other and they can talk about anything. They pray for one another. They're actually doing the same Bible study right now, even though they live two and a half hours apart. They're connected. So the, the other piece is living life uh, with obedience, free from compromise. Deal with your anger. You know, I think about in Ephesians 4 and 26, it says, in your anger, do not sin. So you think about when we go through a lot of times, we get mad and, it, you know, uh, uh, anger but sin not. You know, sometimes like you just uh, getting so mad that you, uh, whatever's on your heart is going to come out. I always think about if someone hits their hand with a hammer, what's the first word they says? That's what's on their heart, you know? That's what's in there. So I just think about that concept is we have to make sure that we have a pure heart, but we don't, when we anger, you know, when I think about when Jesus went into the temple, he went in and flipped all the tables up and over and, uh, you know, on there, but he still held it was for a purpose. And... Uh, you know, this one's a, a big one that I always, uh, you know, when I put this, as I was putting this in here, this could sell on people's toes, but obedience around your tithes and offering. You see, God has blessed you with whether it's a job, 
whatever it may be, he already owns it. He's just asking for 10% back or to give offering because, you know, a lot of times when I think about the church and, and what we're doing, it's not cheap. It's not free to be able to, to do ministry. And I always throw that out there on there. And this isn't, uh, we're not taking an offering up at the end, uh, anything like that. But I just think about a lot of times uh, when the people give their last dollar, how it's given back to them. Whether you're blessed today or it's blessed down a generation and blessed down to your heirs. But try to give out, try to outgive God. That's one thing I always say to people is try to outgive God. That's one thing that uh, it's always fun. It's kind of like a competition. Like, well, all right, well, you know, I, I feel led to sow into this ministry, and then all of a sudden you get this. And there's so many things, like when we talked about going to Israel, people says, well, I can't afford it. And people sow into that, and uh, whatever that may look like, you know, where people uh, come back and they bless people, and then all of a sudden they get blessed tenfold. It, things happen. And, you know, as we're kind of coming to a close, and I think about learning to discern, ask God for wisdom daily. You see, teaching your children wisdom from your life experience. How do you lay that out there? How, how do you tell them, like, some of the things that you've went through? But maybe it's, it's not really just about your life experience, but maybe it's reading Proverbs. You know, I think about Pro the book of Proverbs and what that is about. You know, Proverbs was uh, Solomon passing wisdom down to his son. How are you influencing your kids? How are you influencing them? What are you allowing on your TV? What are you allowing them to watch? Discernment. Because I will tell you, I, I'm so nervous every day with, uh, you know, the school systems and everything there. You know, I think about how it was when I graduated uh, 20 years ago. And then what it is today and what they're having to go through with the, the online bullying, the, all of that. But what are you pouring into your kids? How are you spending time with them? And, and what does that look like? But Proverbs 1 and 8, it says, Listen, my son, to your father's instructions and do not forsake your mother's teachings. And it's just a part of it there, but that's the whole concept is Solomon is, is writing this book to his son. He's trying to pour into them. Teach them small so when they get up, when they go out, it, it's still, I, I, I haven't experienced it, but we were talking about last night going out, uh, you know, kids going to college and, and different things. Um, you're always going to worry about them, but you know that you've instilled morals and you've taught them right from wrong. You've taught them when to walk away from something. So in closing, you know, there's two, two, two words uh, about these actions. First, God's not impressed by the external righteousness of what, what we have, of everything that we have. If we try to do it on our own, we're not going to succeed. We might be able to get to a certain point, but as we're continuing to push that truck up the, the hill when there's gas in it, it's pointless. You've got to make sure that you're plugged in. You know, God does not work um, on the outside, really. He works on the inside. He wants to see what's in there. It will be evident about how your life is. When you go in front of people, you know, I, I think about it and I always pray when someone is, gives their life to the Lord. One of the things that I always pray is, Lord, when they walk off this property, let them walk out differently than when they walked in. Let them leave the chains that just fell off at this altar or wherever they may be. 
Because if you still go out and doing the same thing you've always done, you didn't change. There has to be a change. There has to be a shift. And, you know, someone uh, spoke a while back is, you know, I think about military as you're marching and everyone's in sync when you're marching. You want your legs left, right, left, right. And if you get out of step, it's called a skip step. Sometimes we have to take that skip step to get back in sync to what we're doing because we got out of step with the rest and, 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 and walking. You know, you, you look in uh, like the military when they're marching, it literally everyone's going left, right, left, right. If one person is off, you can see it. Like, oh, there's that goofball. He's right there in the middle. In order for him to get back in step, he has to take that skip step. Well, that's us today as Christians. Sometimes we get out of step. Sometimes we get out of sync with the rest of what we're supposed to be doing. As we're walking with him, we got to take that skip step to get back in unison, to get back in there, to make sure our light is bright. So the second piece here is God is going to help you and wants to help you to take these action to stay plugged in. You know, perhaps you need to focus on a specific area. You think about all of these steps that we kind of talked about. Maybe it's just one specific area of, of how I'm going to get there. And maybe this is what I need to focus in on. And, uh, or maybe it's, uh, I need to look at my friends. You know, maybe I, I need to have a sabbatical for my friends that I have to get back in line with him. Or, or, or maybe it's, uh, you know, whatever it may be, maybe I need discernment to be able to understand when I come in contact with people, I have discernment that something's off. I have discernment that they're trying to lead me astray. Because that's what Satan is constantly trying to do. He's trying to steal what you've already been promised. You've already been given it. But in order for us to get there, we have to be in sync with him. And as I think about being a vessel and being plugged in, this box of light bulbs are pointless unless we have the power source. Would you stand with me today? You see, God is wanting to pour out His Spirit upon you. He wants to see you succeed. He wants to see you be able to live the life that He's called you to live, but you have to be plugged in. You have to make sure that your house is built and everyone can see it. And, you know, I think about this church and uh, as I was uh, uh, praying this week and I was thinking of a beacon of hope. Being a lighthouse, when the ships are being tossed to and fro, as the storm was going, I was praying, as I was thinking that, you know, when, what is a lighthouse meant to be? It's when you're lost out at sea and you're looking and you can see the light that know that there's land. There, there, there is hope. I'm not just going to be lost here forever. There's hope. You see, God has given you. He's empowered you with this Holy Spirit. It's already in you. You just have to activate it. You know, I think about getting a credit card. The credit card is, is not, no good unless you call that number and get it activated. Well, it's a toll-free call today. All you have to do is call him today and say, Listen, God, I want to activate it. I'm ready. So with all heads bowed and or all eyes closed and heads bowed, I just want to ask you today, you know, and I always want to make sure that, uh, you know, everyone's hearts and minds are clear that if, if today was our last day on, on this, this earth, you know, are, are we ready to see him? You know, is there someone to, in here today that would say, you know what, I need to take that skip step. I'm not alignment with him. And whether I want to make the commitment today to say, you know what, 
today's the day. Or if I want to say, you know what, I'm a little bit off and I need to come back to make sure that light is shining. Is there one today that would say, you know what, that's me? Yes, I see your hand. You see, God is a loving God. God doesn't want anyone to perish. It says it in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish. So with that said, and we're not going to prolong this, I just want, if everyone could repeat after me, as we pray this, and we're going to pray it in just to have our hearts and minds clear. Dear Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me for all my sins. Remember me in paradise. That today, I believe that you are the true Savior. Forgive me for any wrongdoing. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I just pray over the house right now, God. Lord, just thank you for the word that was given, Lord. Thank you for the one that raised their hand, God, Lord, that he knows without a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that you are the true king. Lord, I thank you for the spirit of God, Lord, that has been poured on this place, God. Lord, I pray that the word that's went out, Lord, that it just continues to resonate all week long with the people, Lord. Lord, thank you for what you've done in this house, Lord, and let your spirit flow, but let people realize what the true power source is, God. Lord, don't let them get confused with the symbol versus the source, Lord, because you are our true power source. Lord, thank you for all that you're going to do, Lord. I pray for each one in this house, Lord. Let them go out and be blessed. Lord, I pray for Pastor Doug, and I pray for all of the pilgrims that are on the, the journey in Israel today and throughout the next two weeks, God. Lord, let your spirit protect them. Let it pour out and let them be a light upon the hill, Lord, that can't be mistaken who they truly believe in, God. Lord, thank you for all you've done, and thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for coming, and be blessed.